0: You're listening to a message from the Winsboro Church of Christ. This is the Winsboro.Church podcast. If you have any questions, comments, or prayer requests, you can get in touch with us at any time through our website at Winsboro.Church. Well, I have some really good news. We are in our house. Lisa and the kids are now living in Winsboro. We have... Oh, moved in would be kind of a strong word, but we are in the house. Uh, we stay there the past couple of nights, and so Lisa will be with the children and all of us together as one family in worship this coming Sunday. Uh, she's done many online services uh, just like this, but she is eager to finally be here and getting, looking forward to meeting so many of you that have that I've already had the chance to meet. So, <sighs> It is a sigh of relief that we are in our house. I can say, though, that you know, being without a house is kind of stressful. Being without a house kind of wears on you, tries on you. But being with a house <laughs> is stressful. Being with a house tries and uh, can challenge. A person and we've been in a couple of nights now and moving into a new house, you kinda start to see, well, that's not quite right. And look there's an issue with that, and we gotta do this, this, and this, and and we bought a good sized house, and I'm grateful for that, and it has a nice size acreage around it. We have over eight acres, and my fear with with it, and I'll just be honest, is I'm not going to be good enough. And that is a fear that, well, a lot of men I know have about all kinds of things. And I actually did a study once, a really good study, about biblical manhood and how one of the driving questions that any man of any age asks himself is... Am I strong enough? Am I good enough? Can I do it? Am I capable? Am I able? And so moving into this new house and seeing the issues pop up and then, you know, and wondering, well, (laughs) is this this house going to defeat me or am I somehow going to overcome and be victorious over the house? Now, it's not anything horrible, but I see little things and they start to add up. And then I wonder about, well, that could go wrong too. And I start having these thoughts of, well, that could break, that could break, that could break, things that are fine now, but I can be a bit of a pessimist, I'll just admit, I can be, and I can look about all the things that might potentially go wrong, and it can overwhelm you, it can overwhelm me, just ask Lisa, I can get kind of grumpy thinking about all those things, and not the easiest person in the world to live with, I'm not the easiest person in the world to live with to begin with, but when I am challenged with things that I perceive as an attack on or that I challenge on, my ability, my own strength, my own uh, intelligence that uh, really gets to me. So I look out at the house, our new house, and it's great. But I think, am I good enough? Am I strong enough? Can I do it? And last week when we looked at Jesus and, we looked at Jesus and approval. Desiring that approval from people that we look up to or appreciate or the people that came before us. And this week, I guess, is about our own approval. This week is about living up to our own, maybe, expectations. And this week it's about Jesus and Effort, that question, am I doing enough? Am I good enough? Is God really happy with me? Am I doing enough to please him? And what else can I do in order to please him more? Questions that are not inherently bad, but questions that very quickly can become dangerous because Christianity is not about what we do, it's about what Jesus has done. Christianity is not about our strength and our power and our ability to overcome. It's about Jesus' strength and power and ability to overcome. And so Christianity is not about effort. Christianity is about trust. Trusting in God that he, trusting in Jesus, trusting in everything that God has already done for us through Christ, And all that he will continue to do. And just like my house, I can look at it and say, Oh man, I don't know about this, but trust that Colby, I've got you. And you're going to fail some. And you're going to mess up. And you're going to make bad choices or break things. I'm really good at breaking things. You're going to create your own problems. And I know you're trying harder and harder and harder and harder and getting overwhelmed by the pressures of that effort, but Christianity is about God saying, Trust me, I've got you. And we have to be real careful that we're not saying, Oh yeah, Jesus, I trust you. I'm just going to give you this little bit of effort over here too. Jesus, I trust you. I know that you are for me and I believe that you have saved me. It's just I know that I need to just add a few more ands. I need to give a, just a little bit more effort. And that nagging thought in the back of my mind, of I need to try just a little bit harder, does not come from faith in Christ, does not come from trust and belief in Christ. It actually comes from the opposite. It means we don't quite trust Jesus' power to save enough. Now we think, well, Jesus can get us mostly the way there, but I've I've got to do that last little bit. And when we have that mind, whenever we think those thoughts out loud to ourselves in our hearts, subconsciously whatever, what we're doing just like we talked about last week is undermining the saving power of Jesus. That's that The truth is Jesus is either strong enough to save us all the way or he can't do it at all. There's no halfway in between. And that is the message of the book of Galatians. Think for a second like you are a a Christian, a young Christian way back 2,000 years ago-ish in the first century when Paul had come through your town and talked about Jesus and, oh, it sounded so great. Salvation, forgiveness, hope, eternity, life, holiness. And you said, Sign me up and you became a Christian. You got baptized. You you gave yourself over to Christ and you and you became a part of this fledgling congregation in one of these towns in the province of Galatia that Paul is now writing to. And Paul moves on to go preach at some more towns, and that's kind of a bummer because man, Paul's the one that showed you and, and He's the preacher that that, that that helps you learn. And to see that particular person in your life move on and not be around anymore, that could be a blow. But oh, but things are still going pretty good and you've got the Spirit. You've been told you have the Spirit. You believe you have the Spirit. And even as maybe someone or people in the congregation have had Paul lay his hands on them to pass on to them the gift of the ability to impart miracles. So th- So things are still just, wow you're you're awestruck and you're amazed and and oh so on just top of the world and these other guys come in and they're from jerusalem where jesus was from where paul was from too they're from israel you're you're outside of israel you're in other parts of the roman empire but these guys have come up and they said hey we got more good news for you more good news awesome what they said well there's not just jesus there's moses And Moses wants you you to follow the law. And Moses actually came before Jesus. And Jesus followed the law of Moses. You need to follow the law of Moses too. And then they start talking about what that law of Moses is. And they think, well, that's kind of tough. Those dietary restrictions, those keeping those feast days and those sacrifice days and doing the Old Testament sacrifice and especially circumcision. Those expectations. And last week we talked about how maybe I want to seek their approval. Well, this week it's the idea of, are you trying hard enough? Are you putting in enough effort? And these guys come in and say, just do these extra few things. Add a little bit of work to what you're doing in Christ. Add a little bit of effort of what you can do in order to make God happy and you'll be there. And it sounds so good. You think, yeah, the closer I get to God, the better. And so you're having these conversations, and maybe some people are doing it, some people are thinking about doing it. Well, do I do it, do I not? I think I might, because I really want to make God happy. And then this letter shows up. This letter from Paul, addressed to the churches in Galatia. And you're so excited. You call the whole church together. You say, hey guys, Paul wrote us a letter. He's writing to us, and he's going to encourage us, and... And maybe he's heard about, you know, the fact that some of us are now getting circumcised and following these Jewish regulations. and He's going to be so proud of us. Because Paul's a Jew. And he's going, to, oh, you guys are doing Jewish things too? Awesome. That's even better. You had Christ, now it's even better. Is that what Paul's going to tell us? Well, let's start reading. And he start reading, and you get to chapter 3, verse 1. You foolish Galatians. You foolish Galatians, who has cast a spell on you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was vividly portrayed as crucified. The only thing I want to learn from you is this. Did you receive the Spirit by doing the works of the law, the effort, or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? Although you began with the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by human effort? Have you suffered so many things for nothing, if indeed it was for nothing? Does God then give you the Spirit and work miracles among you by your doing the works of the law or by you believing what you heard? Foolish, foolish Galatians. You started by trusting in Jesus. You started by surrendering yourself. You started by planting yourself on the foundation of Jesus and you stood strong there by the Spirit and by the power of God and that's exactly what God desired, why in the world would you start trying to do it by effort now? Why in the world would you put one foot on Jesus who can hold all of you and put one foot on an and? And effort. This Jesus can hold me. It's cinder blocks. That and, which is looking kind of worse for the wear, could not. I try to stand on that thing. It goes down and I go down with it. And that's the danger. Paul says, don't you realize, (laughs) Jesus and effort, your effort will fail. Your effort will fall. Your effort will come crashing down. If you are relying on even just your small ability to accomplish a little bit for God, thinking, well, that's what I'll build my, and, and base my salvation on. That's what I'll base how I please God on, what I can do. So if you do that even a little bit, you have shifted off the one thing that can save you, which is Jesus. Only Jesus. Can be the one that carries you through. Anything else is just a flimsy, fragile, broken end. There's a line I heard growing up a lot, and I still hear it. God helps those who help themselves. And I know where it comes from, but let me tell you this it doesn't come from Scripture. There's no verse. That says, God helps those that help themselves. As a matter of fact, the entire story of Scripture is about God helping the helpless. You have God rescuing Israel, the slaves of Egypt, powerless to help themselves, yet God comes in and pulls them out of Egypt by His power, not by theirs. Not even a little bit by theirs. All of it by God's power. And then whenever you look at the passages about widows and orphans, a very prominent idea in Scripture. Matter of fact, we're told in the book of James that pure religion is taking care of orphans and widows and keeping yourself unstained from the world. So you can boil it down to, you know, as far as kind of what does God expect from you? Well care about people, care about the helpless. God cares about the helpless, so we should care about the helpless. And that pure religion before God is caring what He cares about. Is having a heart that He has. And His heart is for the orphan and the widow. And you take care of the helpless because God says, I take care of the helpless. It's what I do. And whether you realize it or not, You're helpless. I'm helpless. And I think, well, I need Jesus, and I'm just going to give a little bit. But I'm utterly unable to give a little bit. So my only true hope rests in just trusting Jesus. Nothing else. So the problem in the churches in Galatia is that they were starting to trust in their effort to follow the law. That's what chapter 3 says. Why are you pursuing the law? Why are you thinking that you can receive the Spirit by doing the works of the law? Verse 2. Don't you know that the only way you get the Spirit is just Jesus? Not Jesus and not Jesus and the law, not Jesus and effort. And we could say, well, I was a big problem back then back in the days of Paul, and he wrote this letter and many others that make very similar points. But I'm not tempted to follow the Jewish law. I'm not tempted to cut up my bacon. I'm not tempted to impose circumcision as a religious rite or symbol or requirement. So we don't have a problem with this, do we? We don't have a problem with effort. And I would say, just look at church attendance and how we think about church attendance. Man, I gotta go to church. Oh, I missed one Sunday, but ooh, I I need to get back. And we use some terminology, gotta, need to, have to, that shows that we view church attendance as a requirement that is connected to our effort. That God gave us Jesus, yes, but He just expects and a little bit more from us and mostly we boil that down to coming to church. Jesus and church attendance. That's what you need to be a good Christian. Show up to church. You got Jesus, good. Now start showing up. We show up one one day a week. Show up on Sunday morning. And here lately, that's all we have had the opportunity to do because of the need to distance and all that, which we're still trying to sort out. I know everybody is. But we think, all right, you come once a week. You watch online worship once a week. You check faithful Christian. You've put in the needed effort. We think in those terms. And, I mean, I'm not immune from this. Goodness. Preachers get together. We start talking about what's going on. You know what the question we ask each other? So how many people are coming to your worship service? What's your attendance like now? And the guy that says, well, we've grown from this much to this much, he gets the most pats on the back. Because his preaching or, you know, the things that his church is doing, church attendance, it it sparked church attendance. it's, it's, It's made people want to put in that effort to come. And so we all kind of use it as our measuring stick of, are you faithful? Well, how's your church attendance? Are you a Christian? Well, how often do you show up at church? And we equate the two almost as equals. Almost like, well, you got Jesus, but you need that church attendance. And think about two times a week. Well, you come twice a week. You're not just a faithful member. You're actually one of the core group. You're in the inner circle. You are a, a very active member. And your faith is very strong. And three times a week, oh my goodness, three times a week, you're like super Christian. You are the example that everyone else looks up to and says, ooh, I want to be like them. And they must, you know, have their Christian life really together because they go to church three times a week. And I'm quite a bit tongue in cheek here, and I don't mean to by any means insult or lower the desire people have to come together and to be the family of God. See, if we use that language, I w- we need to come together and be God's people because we are God's people. Not because, well, because a little bit more effort and we get better. No, if we just say, let's come together because God has brought us together. That's not Jesus' hands. If we say, uh, Jesus has saved us, let's get together and celebrate it. Let's get together and refine each other and help us in our walk in Jesus together to encourage and build up and uh, to, to fully absorb all the grace and power and righteousness and holiness that Jesus can give us. Don't you want to do that? And the key is want. Don't you want to do that? Yes. But if it's, oh man, check, check, check. You have to come, you have to come, I have to come. Because that just, that's the effort God requires. If it becomes effort, if it becomes Jesus and church attendance, as in two equal things that stand, stand, stand side by side to be what our faith rests upon, then we are on shaky ground. Not because of the Jesus side, but because of the and side. we need to wholly trust that we are not saved because we come to church three times a week or twice a week or once a week we are saved because of Jesus and what he has done for us and that effort if it is effort has no place so what's the preacher saying I don't have to go to church What's the preacher saying? I don't have to watch services on my TV. And my answer is, no, you don't. You don't have to. And whenever we think of terms of just, I just need to go to church a couple of times a week. And if I do that, then I'm good enough. Those phrases, just, good enough. Those kind of reveal the the cracks. My and over here has got a few more cracks this week. I took some of the duct tape off. I hit it a couple of more times with a hammer. I'm wanting to reveal the cracks. I'm wanting to show that it is insecure and unstable. And whenever we use terminology of have to, when we use terminology of Well, it'll be good enough if I just. Then we are resting on something unstable. And then the thing is, what happens is whenever you start going to Etsy even three times a week to church, you know what you still have? That nagging feeling in the back of your mind, it's not quite good enough. I'm still not quite good enough. I go to church three times a week, but I'm not quite good enough. Then you start volunteering more. Well, maybe I'll come and I'll do extra work around the church building. I'll come three times a week and I'll do extra work and it doesn't go away. I'm still not good enough. Well, I'll I'll, I'll give extra money. I'll dig deeper. I'll work harder. Give more of my time. And still not good enough. And eventually we can literally work ourselves to death. Trying to give the effort that's needed. Because here's the thing. As Paul points out in the book of Galatians. Your effort will never get you there. It cannot get you there. The only thing that gets us there is Jesus. And if we fully trust in Jesus, fully have faith in his saving work, that nagging thought, we drive it out of our minds. And we don't come to church. We don't do church attendance. We don't watch online services because we have to. We do it because we think, I want more Jesus. I want more of that. I don't want any of that. I want that. And I crave that. And I hunger that. And I find peace in Jesus. We don't come to worship because we have to, and it's one more thing, one more extra added effort burden we got to accomplish. We come here to worship and we worship at home if we have to because it gives us because we tap into the peace that we have in trusting in Jesus' his all-saving power. Do you have to go to worship? No, you don't. my goal as a preacher is I want our worship to proclaim Jesus so much that we want to come. And we say, ooh, Jesus is all I need. And therefore I want to be with my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, the body of Christ, who also rely on Jesus as all they need. And we live together, and we walk together, and we journey together in the Spirit, knowing that we are standing securely on Jesus, not Jesus' end. And when we do miss, like when 2020 hits and coronavirus, we aren't at home, oh, so burdened by guilt because I'm not doing enough. No, whatever happens, don't have that mindset because I don't believe that's from God. Oh, I'm just not good enough. I need to do more. Mm. The truth is, you're not good enough. But don't try to fix that by doing more. The only way we can fix not being good enough is letting Jesus be good enough for us. And that's the good news. That's the gospel message that makes us Christian. Going to church, showing up for worship, Having a nice worship attendance chart does not make us Christian. Trusting in Jesus to save us, that makes us Christian. Not Jesus and...